Welcome back to Ghostly Talk. This is Scott L. This is Amber. Put on your seatbelts. That's yep. all I'm going to say about the show tonight. And I say that in a very positive, open-minded sort of way. We're talking, and we've we've done, we talked to a gentleman before. Of course, my mind is escaping me because I can't remember anything these days. We have talked about the flat Earth, yeah, and I and I don't like I, you know I don't even like using the term flat Earthers. It seems like you know it's just it seems like it's you can't really say that term flat Earthers. You can't really say it. To a person who believes in this idea, who who studies this idea, it's like an insult. <laughs> it seems well, it, it just feels like oh, one. That flat well, earther. It's, well, it's like you're like totally dehumanizing them right there from the get go. Like you're a flat earther, you you <laughs> dirty flat earther. You. It just feels that way. So I, I'm going to refer to this as you know people who you know who study the flat earth or this idea. Alternative views about the shape of our planet. There you go. I mean, and I think that these people deserve this this group. Because uh, I've watched some documentaries on this, I've done some reading, and I think uh, this group deserves the, the same respect that any other group that has alternative ideas deserves. I, I only got part part of the way through that behind the curve. Oh, behind on the curve. That was that was a cool documentary. It was fun. I don't know. I mean, what I was seeing so far was I felt like it was a little tongue in cheek the way they were framing uh, the the story, which well, it's hard probably not. And to that's with kind that, of but... and, okay. And I'm not going to defend well. It's like they were setting everyone up as little Well, characters. you were watching it earlier, okay? And I don't yeah, know any I, of these people, right? Well, of course that's what they're doing, right? And yeah. whoever, who knows who the people who produced and directed that. Yeah. But there was a couple of people on there. And I said to you, when I walked through the room, you were watching it. And I was getting something to munch on before the show. And you were watching it. And I remember just watching it recently. And this the, one of the characters, this young lady, she, the smugness came off of her. It, you could taste it coming onto the TV. The smugness of... Well, the, I think these people are ridiculous, and you could just actually see it beaming off of her. And I think that's just a pile of crap, frankly. I think it's garbage. I I think, you know, making, I mean, ridiculing anybody. Now, let me just say this. there. I think there are certain lines that have to be drawn here, right? And you mentioned that in our conversation with David Weiss tonight, Amber. Like, um, people who, who subscribe to the, to the Flat Earth idea... Um, are hardly, in my opinion, as dangerous as a person who, and I'll be frank about this, like there's people out there that are Holocaust deniers, right? Yeah. And I, that, while I've and heard even some- even some of the QAnon stuff is, you know, it's just utterly absurd and bizarre. It's some, and, and it's some, but some of it can be very scary, right? Yeah. I'm, I'm not for it, censoring it, anybody, but um, some of the stuff gets kind of scary. Weird stuff that yeah. sometimes even death for people and just not good situations because of- No, not of good at all. So- Wild beliefs, but it's, I mean, the whole, what really- Every human being practically is filled with wild, wild beliefs, depending on your wild ideas. Yeah, we all have points on religion. I think, and I think that's a healthy thing for the majority of the time. For some majority, yeah. If it keeps you on the straight narrow, cool ideas, interesting ideas, or what? I think takeaways from like talking to David are things that, like, some things that came up. I, I had made notes here, like predictive programming. But there's a lot of things, um, and that's what that's what I want you as the listener uh, here tonight. Having to deal with a fear-based yeah. society, and that's just not something now. I mean, that's yeah. We you look a at lot the news. The here. news is always bad, scary stuff. It's not. Little Timmy was walking across the street and helped senior citizen that fell today. Like you don't see endless news stories about that. It's so and so was murdered. So and so was killed. This yeah. happened. This car accident. This pile up. It's always extremely negative stuff because that's what grabs your attention. You're yeah. you don't remember the good. You always remember the bad. Yeah, and that there's a lot 
that I identified with in our conversation with Mr. Weiss tonight, frankly. I, yeah, I might not personally agree with like a flat earther, and but that's okay. I can listen to them and I can. That's the point. I can hear them out and I can yeah. sometimes go, hey, wait a minute. The way you frame that is a kind of a cool idea. Let's branch out more on that. Let's talk about this. Um, I want to I want to hear about it. Um, I don't want to just put on my beaming, uh, whatever, what, I, what did I say earlier? Uh, smug. Your smug cap? My smug cap. Oh, well, <laughs> extra, I... Extra tight? I, I'm smarter than you because <laughs> your idea is different than me. And I think that, I, frankly, that I, that I, that construct, that idea, it, it's repulsive. Um, you know what we didn't get to bring up? What? And I don't, I don't know if, if talking to him on this episode, if I felt like he believed in this, but when I was looking up flat earth theories, there were some people that feel we live in a terrarium. Like we are in, which we, which we did talk about being in a dome. But that we are like a zoo. Well, we there's always there's been ideas that we're that, that that this thing called existence and we as humans that and creeps me it's, out. It's a big. We're nothing but a big experiment, like, basically, for some grander being. Right, and that idea of a zoo being a zoo creeps me out. Where we're like some kind of Truman Show for some other race out there that's watching us daily. Yeah, and that that's creepy. Truman Show is a really good movie, and it, that made makes you think it when you watch you that think. movie. And then there was a. a quote that i pulled from charles fort and if you don't know who he is he wrote a book called the book of the damned mm. and that's where the term fortian comes from yep, yep. and he collected all these stories that were really really weird and didn't fit in anywhere yeah and he wrote this book in 1919 and one of the quotes he said in there was the earth is a farm we are someone else's property a little bit about david david weiss is a renewable energy businessman and an avid kite boarder from the east coast he always questioned the reality of the world he lived in lives in <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, thanks. On September 11th, 2001, he was heading out of the door to fly out of LGA Airport in New York City when he saw the news, which would be 9-11. From mm -hmm. his location, he had a clear view across the Long Island Sound of Lower Manhattan and realized from that moment that what we are told by the MSM, mainstream media, is not reality. He hosted a weekly podcast for three years called Deep Inside the Rabbit Hole, which discussed many different deceptions that the MSM and TPTB, tell me what that one means, I don't know. cast over the population. Okay. Then in early 2015, he started looking at what he thought was the most ridiculous topic, the flat earth. After trying to debunk it for several weeks, he quickly became aware that our earth is stationary and flat and NASA is 100% a fraud. David makes short videos to give newbies to flat earth enough information to be willing to watch a longer, more in-depth video. His YouTube channel is just dearth, D-I-T-R-H. And of course, we'll have all of his information linked up on our website for you to check out. Really hope you guys enjoy our conversation with Mr. David Weiss.
David, thank you so much, first off, for taking some time to come speak to us. I really appreciate you uh, coming and visiting us here on the show. How are you tonight? I'm doing well, Scott and Amber. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to the conversation. Yes. Um, Flat Earth has been something, you know, I mean, I have my opinions on it. I think it's one of those subjects I think everybody has an opinion on, right? And it's and often a strong opinion. Well, strong opinion. And, and, and go, mostly against it. Yeah, there's a lot of people that are against it. I mean, I, and I, I think it's a very polarizing subject, too. There isn't really any, like, I haven't heard any people, like, kind of riding the fence on this. It's usually, like, you know, yes or no. <laughs> very, very binary, let's say. Right? There's a good answer for that, why that happens. And, and the answer is... Because everyone is on the globe side, we're all that's how we were all brought up. Yeah, and there's you don't kind of go into a quasi. Well, you, once you look and you see and you understand what the real what the globe Earth model is that you that you believe in, yeah. and what the flat Earth model really is, not what you've been told it is, mm-hmm. then there's no middle ground. You're you're done, and once you go flat, you don't go back. <laughs> <laughs> well, again, it's polarizing, like I said, and that's uh, yeah. we've, I, we've done a little bit of stuff, obviously, you know, to prep to talk to you on this, and I've, I've had some, I've been exposed to some ideas on this. I mean, even before we were, we were going to have this conversation with you, and that's why I find this this idea kind of fascinating. Now, I, I guess one of the things that, that, that you brought up, and I want to ask you about this directly, you know... A plane leaves New York. <laughs> Sounds like a math equation. <laughs> you know, uh, There's a lot of math equations. Go yeah, ahead. Yeah. So uh, how does a plane leave New York and then head east and then end up back in New York? I mean, that, that's an yeah, interesting very qu- question. Very it, not- good question. Bil- billions of people with a B have circumnavigated the earth mm-hmm. east and west. Mm-hmm. Now think about that. So let, let's just first, before we answer that question, let's yeah. describe what the flat earth is. It's not a pancake floating in space. Okay. That's a psyop. Okay. It's more like a pond. Think about a pond, a circular pond. And uh, the water on the pond lays flat because uh, large bodies of water at rest lay flat. And the edge of the pond is what? The edge of the pond is where the land is higher than the surface of the water. Correct? Okay. All right. That's what that's, – so the land is the container of the pond. Well, Antarctica is not a, uh, is not a, a continent at the bottom of a ball. Antarctica is the shoreline of the world pond. It's literally just the edge of our pond, and then Antarctica goes on for tens of thousands of miles. Antarctica is likely bigger than all of the oceans and all of the continents combined, okay? It's not a little island at the bottom of a ball. It's the shoreline of the world ocean. Okay, so how does uh, circumnavigation work? Well, at the center of that pond, you have all the islands, which are continents. Yeah. At the center of the pond is the North Pole. So we think there's a magnetic mountain there, but whatever it is, <clears throat> it's a magnetic force at the center of the pond. So if you get a compass out, the compass is going to point towards that pole in the center. And you can do this on a, on a, just on a table. Draw a circle uh, on a big piece of paper, put mm-hmm. a magnet in the center of that circle, put a compass down within that circle, and the North the needle will point towards the center. Mm-hmm. So you line up the, you know, the north and the needle, so it's pointing towards the center, and then east and west are at 90 degrees, uh, you know, right angle off of that. So if you push off east, you'll notice that the compass will start going south if you don't keep turning to the left. Or if you push off west, you have to keep turning to the right. Mm-hmm. So to maintain a magnetic heading of 90 degrees east or 270 degrees west, you have to constantly correct to the north. And that brings you in a giant circle around the pond, not mm-hmm. around the ball. 
this does not prove the earth is a globe because it's the same thing on a globe. Okay. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You can also go from New York, head north. You're heading north, right? Mm -hmm. In a straight line. And the second you pass the North Pole, you're now heading south, even though you're still going in a straight line. All straight lines go south. That sounds crazy. But if you do this test with a magnet and a compass, you'll see that all straight lines go south. If you leave California heading west and you don't keep correcting to the right, you're heading south. Okay. Right? Yeah. So that's how circumnavigation works. What you can't do is go south from Santiago, Chile over Antarctica and end up in, in uh, Australia. No one's ever done it. That's because the earth is flat and they're at opposite ends of the pond. Okay. I mean, I, I'm and I'm putting my arm, I'm, well, my arms and my head around this. Um, it's 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 a lot to take on. To be honest with you, because it is a different idea, and that's I get. I was thinking about this too. I mean, you've already said this, David. As far as you know, we've all been raised. I mean, all of us. I was. I know Amber was also. Absolutely. We were raised to understand this idea that that we live on a globe, right? So right. Hey, let me <laughs> let me just throw one more thing. Uh, sure. If someone doesn't have a compass and magnet. Just go outside, find a tree or a telephone pole or whatever, and um, and pretend you're a compass. So turn your uh, point your left arm straight out towards that object, and we'll call that north. Mm -hmm. So east is straight in front of you, ninety degrees to that. Mm -hmm. So walk east, but make sure you keep pointing at that pole, mm -hmm. and you have to keep turning to the left to make, and that's east. East is a circle around the north. And once you understand that, everything falls into place. Okay. All right. Go ahead. No, no, no. Sorry for backtracking. No, no, it's perfectly fine. That's cool. Um, but I guess it is this idea. I mean, I, let, let's talk about this subject for before we do get into this, some of the heavier stuff. I mean, we've already kind of hit the heavy stuff. But, I mean, why would we be told – I mean, let's why assume that this lie? is a lie. Why I mean, the lie? Yeah, why, why <laughs> a lie like this? I mean – Again, I've mentioned this before. We've, I mean, the majority of us have been raised to believe yeah. that we live on a globe and that our universe. The majority, I'd say everybody. Yeah, everybody. our universe is majority. comprised of globes. I mean, this is what the mechanics of the solar system and obviously the galaxies and way beyond that, the stuff we don't understand, they all kind of have this same idea that start yeah. i mean they're they're all circular they're globe-like objects right are they where did you get that information from disney <laughs> well, or nasa well okay you know i mean and, you know and i'm gonna i'm gonna, I'm gonna riff on this for a second because yeah. i say this all the time i mean this can go from from world news to what is put in front of you from from organizations like nasa like spacex even now right and i'm not beating up on anybody here but really how the hell do you know? <laughs> I mean, it's what's being right. you're being given this information. It's being sent to you via a TV or or your laptop or your phone. And I've been saying that for years. Like, how do we really know that we're being told the truth here? Right. It, well, here's how you know you you can you can analyze what you're seeing from NASA and SpaceX. Just Google some of the, they've been having launches a couple like a couple times a week. They're launching stuff. Mm -hmm. Just watch their launches. They're so fake. It's not even funny. These little, you know, they launch these rockets mm -hmm. and then the first stage comes back and lands on a raft 200 miles off the coast upright. This 40,000 pound, you know, five story tall tube falls out of the sky mm -hmm. and a little fire shoots out of the rear of it and it slows it down and lands on a raft in the middle of the ocean. And mm -hmm. every single time, just before it lands, the camera cuts out. 
and my friend showed me one of those videos. They she showed me actually one with it burying basically <laughs> like it it because they do show the failures also david i mean they well, that, show that's they, to make it more realistic and they okay to, they show you some failures the other day they had one they're, they're now launching this big fat rocket we call it the grain silo mm-hmm. and it's so obviously fake here's here's the thing that a lot of people have a hard time with all big rockets from the space shuttle to all of them mm-hmm. are fake they're they're balloons okay. they're launching helium blimps rocket assisted blimps but they don't always use the same technique sometimes they launch a miniature sometimes they're doing a projection in the sky mm-hmm. we've caught nasa with holographic projectors on their lawns right we saw these things like on google earth and we zoomed in like what are these are they spotlights and we read the label and we looked up the patent and it's a from a holographic projection company right yeah that yeah. nasa like owns okay it's, it's so- unreal but I mean, let's get to the meat of it. Why? Why would why the lie? Why? why I mean, so, yeah. yeah. Why would they yeah. want to fake rocket launches and yeah? And and what would be the incentive to hide that the Earth is well, flat that, that, versus round? And, and, and that's the why the lie. Let, let's answer yeah. all those questions for you. Okay. So NASA and every other space agency, they're all in it together, and they're the sole purpose for them is to make you think you could live on a ball. That's what the sole purpose of going to the moon was to make you think. Uh, the, to believe in the heliocentric solar system. Mm-hmm. And if you break down those wor- words, I don't know if you're into etymology at all, but it's sin, sin is sinister, heliocentric soul lure system. Basically, evil is trying to steal your soul, your God-given soul. So this is this is how I, how I look at it. I'm not a religious person. I was actually yeah. full-on atheist, you could say, mm-hmm. um, before I discovered Flat Earth. Uh, but... They want you to believe that, um, you know, if you believe in the Big Bang, in the heliocentric system, you basically believe in the Big Bang. Once there was nothing, it exploded, created everything. And then all of the rocky masses turned into big balls. You know, they just gravity pulled it together. And somehow all of the gases turned into bigger burning balls and they left a vacuum in between, right? Mm -hmm. Nature abhors a vacuum. That's impossible. You can't have a ball of gas in a vacuum. It doesn't, it doesn't exist. You know, you need a container for the gas. So that breaks every scientific rule that there is. So then lightning struck and created an amoeba and some DNA, which is impossible. A tornado going through a junkyard building in 747 is more probable. Mm-hmm. And then that amoeba turned into a fish that grew legs. It climbed out of the water, found another fish of the opposite sex that happened to grow legs. They had a baby, and it was a monkey, and the monkey had a baby, and it was a human. Okay? Mm-hmm. And that you are spinning out of control. I sped that up a little bit. You're spinning <laughs> out of control, flying through an infinite universe where an asteroid could take you at any time. That's that's a... That's what they teach kids, right? In school, one of the yeah. first things they learn about is dinosaurs and the asteroids. That is to keep fear in their heart that it could happen to them at any time. Because a, a society of people living in fear, feeling insignificant, that they're whipping through space out of control, spinning, lost in space, mm-hmm. um, they you give away your your uh, God-given um you know, it, it well, lessens you. It makes you less. When the a, truth of the matter is we yeah. are in the center of this created system. This world has a creator. That's as far as I'll take it. You can figure out who the creator is on your own. Whatever story you want to put behind it, that's a whole nother thing. Yeah, yeah. But we live in this world where nobody has dominion over us. Nobody can tell you what to do. The only laws in this world are don't kill anybody, don't steal from anybody, don't break their free will, 
and help your neighbor. That's it. Mm. Everything else that you obey is all in your head. It's all an illusion. Money is an illusion. Okay. Mm-hmm. You know, dollar bill, a dollar bill, the only thing it's worth is how much of a kindling it could be to light a fire. Unless someone else is willing to trade you something for it, then it has perceived value. Yeah. Right. But, but, this is all about control. Look at the world we're in right now. It's insanity what people are thinking. I don't know what your views are and what's going on yeah. in this world, you know, politically and and with the with the Rona and all of that <laughs> stuff. But the way that they're getting away with it is because people are lost in space. They feel insignificant and they're in, living in fear. It is a feeling of desperation, David. I agree. And I've thought when you put it that way, like, look, we are we are this. <laughs> This ball that's flying in space at an immense speed, out of control, in an ever-exploding universe, basically, it is a feeling of desperation. And but the there's... stars never change. You go out tonight, look at the stars, and the next year, same night, same time, the stars will be in the exact same position, yeah. even though we've corkscrewed, spiraling through space and gone billions of miles, mm-hmm. the stars are in the same place. And there, but there, and there is a lot I've identified with that. I mean, whatever my my views are, David, um, it is very easy. And I've thought about this a lot. I mean, as far as where we are in in well, let's just say we are in a solar system for a second here, right? And yeah. I've thought about this a lot. Um, it's, it seems like we are – it's such a delicate thing we're, we're, we're riding on that, I mean, a, a rock the size of Texas could hit us at any time, right? If, if that was a real thing. They want you to believe that, but we're not. There's no rocks flying through space. There's nothing physical above us. You know, the the things that we call planets used to be called wandering stars. Mm-hmm. They're energetic sources within the Earth system uh, floating in the sky around us, being projected into the sky. We set a balloon up in, in, in uh, where was it? Uh, out in, um, where is it? Out west somewhere in the desert. Mm-hmm. Um, whatever, wherever it was. And it was a beautiful, clear night. And um, Arizona. And uh, I think it was in Arizona. Mm-hmm. And we had... Mm-hmm high resolution cameras looking up and before the balloon even took off, it was a beautiful starry night. We could see all the stars. So you would think after it gets up 10, 20, 30,000 feet, it's going to be above any, you know, clouds or pollution and it's going to see even better. By the time we hit 50, 60,000 feet, all the stars were gone. What's up with that? Wait, so how did, you said you had a camera on this? Uh, I, yeah, I, we had cameras. Yeah. So you were, you were flowing this on the, you were floating this on the camera and you got 50,000 feet up and you didn't, you couldn't see any stars. All the stars disappeared. They all just were gone because I don't believe that the stars that we see are physical in nature. The sun and the moon that we see are more of a projection. They don't act like physical objects. It's like they're going through a lens and they're being projected into our reality. Now, this is stuff that you really – it's hard to do on a radio show, but we can yeah. show you how this works scientifically. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you try to triangulate the sun or the moon um, with people in different positions, the more people you add to the triangulation should make it – closer it should should narrow you know you should be able to zero in on its exact position but the more people you add the farther off it gets and that's because we all see these objects in a position relative to our own like we're looking in a mirror like if we the three of us were standing outside and we're 50 feet apart in a straight line and we're looking at a giant mirror upright and the sun is setting behind us Mm -hmm. we could all look in that mirror at the sun and we would and if somebody walked up to the mirror and said all right where do you see the sun and they drew a circle around the 
the sun where I see it. Yeah. Then they walked over to you. They said, where do you see the sun? That circle is going to be 50 feet away from my circle. Yeah. So it's not a physical object we're looking at. And that's provable. Wow. Okay. Yeah. It's a lot to take in. It is. It really. (laughs) The globe has a huge advantage over the flat earth and it's, you can just believe it. How would a flat earther account for like temperature? Like when you get closer to the equator and it gets warmer based on the idea that it's closer to the sun. So what would a flat earther, how would they respond to that? Well, that's a great question and uh, the visuals help, but I'll do my best. (laughs) Um, Seasons only work on a, on a, on a flat earth. They make no sense on a globe earth. So we're, we're told that um, because of the tilt of the earth, when we're, when the North, the upper half of the ball is tilted towards the sun, the sun rays are coming in more direct and it's hotter, right? That's your understanding of seasons, right? Mm-hmm. Correct. And then when we're tilted away, that that same amount of sun rays is spread over a bigger area, and um, that is uh, then it that gives gives us our winter. Did you know in the north that during our winter we're three million miles closer to the sun, not farther? We're closer, but but we're tilted away, so that's why it's cold. That's what they tell us. Okay. But if you if you try this experiment on June twenty on June twenty first, which is around the summer solstice, mm-hmm. that's when the sun is closest to us. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it's actually three million miles farther, but it, that's when the sun is highest in the sky. If you go to the beach uh, at sunrise, right when the sun shows up on the horizon, you can immediately feel the heat on your face. You close your eyes, you look at the sun, and it, you can feel the intense heat on your face. And within a couple of minutes, it's like wow, you know, it's a clear day. You really feel that heat beating down on you. Mm-hmm. But then six months later on December 21st, which is our winter solstice, and that's when the sun is lowest in the sky, you could even wait until 12 noon that day when the sun is at its highest point, not on the horizon, but like 40 degrees, 50 degrees in the sky, depending on where you are. And you can't even feel it. I'm in the Northeast here. You can't even feel the sun on your face. In uh, I'm in Connecticut, right. right? You can't even feel the heat at all, and that's a mud around a round table. That's the world. The edge of the table is the shoreline of our pond, and everything mm-hmm. beyond the edge of the table is round table. That's the world. The edge of the table is the shoreline of our pond, and everything mm-hmm. beyond the edge of the table is Antarctica. The table is Antarctica. Okay, at the center of the table is the North Pole. Well, the sun, just like someone circumnavigating east or west, circumnavigates the Earth. Um, to the west, it goes. It goes west. They tell us that the Earth is spinning to the east, and that's why the sun is moving. No, the sun is just circling around that north, and it does. It 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 wanders in between the two tropics. So, if you drew a circle around the table, halfway between the edge of the table and halfway between the center, that circle is the equator, and then outside that circle is a bigger circle called the Tropic of Capricorn. Mm-hmm. And inside that equatorial circle is a smaller circle called the center area of the table, closer to the Tropic of Cancer. So on June 21st, the sun is just circling over the Tropic of Cancer. The sun is just circling over the Tropic of Cancer. That way it's closer to us. It's higher in the sky. Six months later, it moves. It just wanders out March, uh, June, July, August, September. It's over the equator. Uh, October, November, December, it's over the Tropic of Capricorn, which is over Australia. Australia on December 21st is in the heat of their summer. The sun is high in the sky. It's over their head. And it's low in the sky from us because it's far away and it's cold. 
because it's far away. And six months later, it comes back. They have their winter. We have our summer. And once you see this, you realize it's the only thing that makes sense. You're talking about projections. I'm not talking about projections. I'm talking about the sun that we see, whether it's a physical sun, whether it's a projection, whatever it is, that doesn't matter for this season's discussion. The Mm -hmm. sun migrates in between the tropics and comes farther and closer. Like if there was two airplanes in the sky flying, one of them's directly over your head at Mm -hmm. 10,000 feet or whatever. Mm -hmm. And the other one is paralleling it 10,000 feet, but it's 50 miles to the South. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. The one over your head is your summer sun. The one 50 miles to the South is our winter sun. It's farther away. It's lower. Our sun migrates in between the two tropics. I created an app that shows you how this works. It's called the flat earth sun, moon, and between the two tropics. I created an app that shows you how this works. It's called the Flat Earth Sun, Moon, and Zodiac Clock app. It's on Android and uh, and Apple, and it shows you how all of this works. It's a beautiful model. Um, it's the high, one of the highest-rated apps in the App Store. It's by Blue Water Bay. There's some knockoffs out there that don't show you. And the app does what – if you search Flat Earth on Google, right, I'm going to check into some of the stuff. And you start searching the stuff. Hey, top 10 reasons the Earth is flat. Google's going to serve you top 10 reasons the Earth is a globe. And it's all, of, it's all propaganda. It's all nonsense. But the app will serve you a daily video every day. It has the top 21 questions where all the videos that come up in the top 21 questions that answer, your que- answer it show you um, – verifiable things that you can do yourself. Yeah. Videos, demonstrations, and it's stuff that Google won't serve you. Interesting. Yeah. Um, I did mention, uh, 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 yeah, I mean, it's related, but not related that you mentioned, you keep mentioning projection though, as far as the sun and the moon and things like that are concerned. And I'm going to, I'm going to probably ask a pretty ridiculous question here. No, no ridiculous question. As far as, (laughs) I mean, you you say it's a, it could be a projection. It could be, I mean, and either it could be, or it could be an actual physical entity, right? Um, but if it was a projection, I mean, I guess the question I have to ask is, where's it coming from? Yeah. Who's projecting it? <laughs> That's a ridiculous question. It is a ridiculous <laughs> question. <laughs> um, no, it's not. So, so again, anything that's above where we can reach or beyond the shoreline of Antarctica is speculation, but we can do, <laughs> excuse me, mm-hmm. <clears throat> we can do some experiments, um, that would show it. So. Most of us believe that there is a dome over our world and that space is not a vacuum. Space is probably liquid. It's probably water. And there's biblical stuff that will support that. But again, I never lead with the Bible because, you know, if you don't believe in the Bible, it's useless. Mm. But the I th- and and we, we did that. We did some experiments during eclipses that really kind of, in my mind, prove it. And you kind of have to see it. But. If the sun is outside of the dome, uh, the dome it, it's projecting through the dome. If you if you have one of those um, half domes and you know and half a glass dome in your house, a paperweight or whatever, you can get them on Amazon. Just a half glass ball, and you put it down on a table and you hold a pen light in the air above it and you circle around that dome. Um, you look inside the dome. There's a little perfect little sun floating in the in the dome. Mm-hmm. It's being projected in there, and if you make it go, you know, it, it it'll rise and it'll set. It's amazing, and it's exactly what we see. And also, when you bring it around, the light and darkness in the dome mimic the same light and darkness that we see here on Earth that time and date show us mm-hmm. um, when you put it on a flat Earth map. 
it, it's amazing. In the app, where does the sun go? Um, the, it, it has a ton of videos that'll show you exactly what I'm talking about. And once you see it, you can't unsee it. So there you go. Interesting. Well, the only thing I would take into account with that, though, would be what you mentioned a few minutes ago is, yeah, when you watch the, the sun rise wherever you're at. I don't, right. I don't really care. I mean, yeah, unless it's really cold out. I mean, you do have the, the summer climate. Um, you do feel that heat. I've, yeah. We've all experienced that. And that's only in that. the summer. But unless you're in in between, you know, the, the tropics are warm, but that's because you're in between the tropics, mm-hmm. the Tropic of Cancer and the Tropic of Capricorn. And the sun is always within those areas, so it's never far away from you. But when the sun's over the Tropic of Capricorn, we're on the other side of the equator. Out, we're... We're north of the Tropic of Cancer, so the sun's so far away from us. That's why it's cold here in the in the northern United States. Okay. Miami, however, is right underneath the Tropic of Cancer. So in the summer, Miami's blazing because the sun is directly over its head. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, let's talk about gravity for a second here. I know we've probably we've kind of I think we've kind of teased it a little bit here, but. I mean, how does that play, I guess, and I'm going to keep this very vague, I'm sorry, but I mean, I guess, what is, how does gravity play into this? Um, we, yeah. In a, well, and I guess in a global, <laughs> in a globe-like world that we've, we've been talking, we've been taught, uh, yeah. there's a lot, there's a lot that comes into play there, obviously. We have a great gravitational pull, uh, and I am no physicist <laughs> by any means. I have a rudimentary understanding, but I guess it so is. So the physicists, they have a rudimentary made up understanding, <laughs> and, and they tried to teach that to you as reality. Well, Let me, I'll, I'll yeah, answer it. it I'll, yeah. I'll try to keep it as short as I can, and I won't yeah, go too long, but no it's, it's very interesting answer. So, uh, the high priest of scientism, Neil deGrasse Tyson, he says in an interview recently, uh, we don't know what gravity is. We don't know how it works. We just, it has to work, you know? We don't know what it is. And then um, they have to make up what's called dark matter and dark energy. They're like, well, they're, 96% of space has to be dark matter and dark energy because gravity wouldn't work without it. Therefore, it has to be. Well, mm-hmm. gravity doesn't work because gravity's made up. It's nonsense. It's the, re- it's the, it's the god of the heliocentric uh, religion because without it, you know, their entire system falls apart. So what makes things go down? Well, the Earth, um, the, by the way, every experiment ever done, including the Cavendish experiment, which if you look up, you know, what is gravity, um, the, the Cavendish experiment is where some guy hung two big lead balls in a barn and he claimed that they were attracted to each other because they were so dense, right? Okay. So many things were flawed with that experiment. No one's ever redone it successfully, and it's a made-up story. So what makes things go down? Well, the Earth is like a big battery system, okay? The sun and the moon are the anode and cathode of the battery system. The salt water carries the current of this electric Earth. Electricity and magnetism are the only forces on this Earth, and they're brother and sister. And uh, the the land is the salt bridge of the battery. So the sun is electric in nature and is sending energy to this Earth. The Earth itself has a negative charge to it. Now, this don't 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 freak out. This is easy to understand. Okay. <laughs> the Earth has a measurable negative charge to it, testable, yeah. measurable. You can put a meter up to it, and you can see that the Earth has a a negative charge to it. Yeah. And when you leave the Earth, when you when you raise up in the air, the higher you get, the higher the voltage gets. Uh, at a meter, there's a hundred volts of electricity. That sounds crazy, but it's true. Testable, measurable. It's not not a theory. Science knows this. Mm-hmm. Two meters is two hundred volts, and it goes up from there. 
So when you're when you leave the earth, you become positively charged. Well, the positive charge that you have and the negative charge of the earth, the earth isn't moving. The earth is unmovable. And so it says, hey, down is this way. When I point down, I'm pointing down. When someone in Australia points down, they're pointing in the same direction. They're not pointing up. They're pointing down. Down is down for everybody. Up is up for everybody. It's the same thing. Left and right, forward and backwards are relative to your position. Like if you turn around, everything changes. Yeah, correct. So, but down is down. So they, science even says, or scientism says, uh, that gravity is a weak force. Well, yes, it is. The negative charge of the earth is a weak force. But then buoyancy and density sort everything else out. So if you had a handful of marbles and ping pong balls and you held them in the air over a pool and you drop them, they're both going to fall through the air because they're more dense. And then the, the marbles, marbles are going to go to the bottom of the pool and the ping pong balls are going to stay on the top of the pool because one's less dense than the water and the marbles are heavier, heavier than the water. Buoyancy and density sort everything out. Now, how can we prove that that the negative charge and not gravity is doing it? Well, if you if you just Google um, uh, anti-gravitic tinfoil triangle, they you can build these little triangles out of tinfoil, and then you put a negative charge on them, and bam, they float up in the air. Well, how, why is that? It's because the negative charge they have is stronger than the Earth's charge, and they re, they repel each other. So. They're, they're lying to us about electromagnetism. Um, and, uh, you know, we, we've done tests where we, we take a metal plate and a Van der Graaff generator, which creates a negative charge, and we charge up the plate stronger than the earth. Boom. And then anything underneath it, pieces of paper, little pieces of wood, boom, they start going up. Why are they going up? How come we're defying gravity with electromagnetism, with yeah, a, yeah. a negative charge plate? And the answer is because we're defying the electric charge of the earth. Yeah. It's amazing. And in, in the app under what about gravity mm-hmm. the videos are in there that explain exactly what I talked about and more in detail and show you how to do it yourself. Gravity is an interesting thing. I mean, of course, again, I I'll stress that to you and our listening audience. I am no expert by any means, uh, but there's a, there's, you know, as far as gravity, I mean, and it's another idea about flat earth. I found interesting. It's a, it's an idea that was presented, you know, that I, that I saw recently was, and our planet, I mean, and I'm, of course, I'm forgetting all these numbers now, but our planet spins at how many miles per hour? A thousand miles an hour at the equator. At the equator. A thousand miles an hour. Faster than the speed of sound. So, and I mean, this is just, I found this interesting. It seems like you would kind of feel that. <laughs> it's awful well, fast. Thank God. Listen, listen. You, you said twice already mm-hmm. that you're no scientist. You're no expert. Mm-hmm. Well, you're more of an expert than the experts because the experts are the ones that memorize and regurgitate the nonsense in the Rockefeller-funded textbooks that are mm-hmm. brainwashing the world into believing this nonsense. Mm-hmm. Okay? You, you have common sense, and they're telling you to trade it in for nonsense because the guy in a bow tie who lies named Bill, he has convinced you of nonsense. Right? Non sense you have common sense so they tell you the earth is so big that you can't feel it well you know you know they say watch a merry-go-round you know, watch the hour hand on the clock can you see it move and it's moving it's moving twice the speed at you know the the angular speed of the earth well that's true mm-hmm. but imagine a merry-go-round that's only rotating once every 24 hours you wouldn't even know it's moving I, i'll agree with that okay correct, correct. but now expanded out a thousand miles okay 
Mm-hmm. Okay. If it's out a thousand miles, the edge of that merry-go-round is going a thousand miles divided by twenty-four, whatever that, whatever the number is. It's going pretty damn fast. You probably couldn't even keep up with it in a car. Correct. Okay. Or maybe yeah. you could. No, probably not. So a hundred miles an so. hour is uh, it's going fifty miles, sixty, seventy miles an hour, whatever. It's going mm-hmm. pretty fast. Now put it out twenty-four thousand miles. Okay. You know, it's going a thousand miles an hour. Mm-hmm. And it and it's angular change. You know, when you're in an airplane, people say, "Well, I can get up an airplane. I can drink a glass of water. I don't get thrown towards the back wall." I'm like, double your speed, take off the outside of the airplane, and drop a mile every two minutes. Tell me how you feel then, because <laughs> that's true. Because yeah. if you're on the equator, you're dropping a mile. Um, you're dropping a mile every couple of minutes. I mean, mm-hmm. it's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. It, it it the the drop is like. I, I can't even calculate the drop because it's made it's a made up thing. Mm-hmm. But these these speed changes are are insane. Think about this: if you're sitting on an airplane on a runway in Ecuador and you're not moving, you're moving a thousand miles an hour um, as, as opposed to a point in space. You with me? Yes. Both of you with me? Yep. Okay. So now, if you're sitting on a runway one mile from the North Pole, yes, you're going around once every twenty four hours. But it's not a twenty-four thousand mile an hour, twenty-four thousand mile track anymore. No, it's really it's a relatively small short, circle yeah. around the North Pole. And if you remember Pi, it's three point one four miles. Mm. Um, is all you're going to travel in twenty-four hours, right? Correct. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. You're so not three point one four miles is way less than a mile per hour. But we'll just round off and say you're moving at a mile per hour. Correct. The plane at the North Pole takes off, and it flies to Ecuador, and now it wants to land on a runway that's facing north south. That runway is moving to the east at a thousand miles an hour. How are you going to land on it? That's an interesting where did, idea. Yeah, where you did get, you get that? Tra- 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 I can't say the word. Trajectory. Um, where did you get that sideways speed? That tangential speed. Tra- oh, okay. How did right. you speed up to a thousand miles an hour to get to go sideways to catch up to that runway? Well, that, that and, does, yeah, that's an that does make me think about this, David. Um, so, yeah, if you take off in an airplane, I mean, I, I'm just going to really, really water this down. If you take off in an airplane and you expect to be somewhere, I mean, you're going to go from point, let's just say point A to point B. Point A is to the right. Let's just say, let's just, this is, I'm, I'm melting down here. <laughs> this is, this yeah. is, it's a lot, to, it's a lot to take on to try to understand. But it, if, it's if, a lot. If, if this globe, if we, it's a globe, it moves at a thousand miles an hour at the equator and you're trying to fly a plane from point A to point B, um, if you don't project where you're going to be at, at a, where the planet or where the location at, where you want to land at is at a certain time, according to that rotation, that's 1,000 miles an hour right. at the equator, then you're going to be landing somewhere totally different. I mean, and, does and that make sense? And the answer to that is the, earth, the, the air is Velcroed to the earth and spins with the earth. So you're always in that air column. Well, how is that possible when a summer breeze can push the air to the left, to the right, up and down? It's in impre- no Velcro. It, well, it's unpredictable. There's no column of air. It's unpredictable too. You don't know where it's going to go. I mean, I like you just right. said, it can just it can the air can just blow to the left and blow to the right whenever it, it wants. It's it's, it's you don't here's, predict. Here's it. something to think about: at forty thousand feet, there's consistent trade winds. Um, the Earth, uh, the globe Earth is spinning to the east, okay? But at 40,000 feet, the wind is outrunning the spin by two or 300 miles an hour. 
Okay, it's not lagging behind. It's outrunning the spin of the Earth. We've sent balloons up, and then when they come down, they come down east of where they land, where they took off from. When they, you know, they're up there, like the Red Bull jump. Uh, Felix Bomb Baumgarten. I always butcher his name. Yeah. Um, he uh, he he was up there for like three and a half hours, and when he landed, he landed east of where he took off. He should have been three thousand miles out in the ocean. Oh wow! Okay. <laughs> This is again. I'm yeah. sorry if I'm kind of just jumping off here. I'm there. This is a lot to take on. I didn't have an I. I was thinking about something here though, and I was doing a little reading. So I mean, let's describe this again as far as what this model would be. I mean, obviously, when we say flat Earth, that's a pretty much you, you get a good picture of what's going on here. Uh, but you say, well, it, people people think of a pancake in space. We're not a pancake in space. We're a pond in the base. The 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 Earth is the basement of the universe. It's the best words I have for it. It's just the foundation of the universe. What's below it? Uh, nobody knows. The deepest hole ever dug is only seven and a half miles. No one can get beyond that. It's an impenetrable barrier. So what's below it? Uh, nobody here on a globe Earth even knows. That's but exactly what I was going to ask what you. The next four thousand miles is even though when they were digging that hole, everything they guessed they were going to hit next was wrong. But somehow, after hitting that impenetrable barrier, yeah. they know what the next four thousand miles is. Nonsense. That's what I was going to ask you. Was that idea? But I think you know how f- this this. This disc we're talking about, like, and well, how, how do you, I mean, you seven miles, you say, is the deepest we've ever dug. Uh, seven and a half. Seven and a half miles. And we can't get past that because there's some type of barrier there that we just can't, I guess, dig through, drill through, blast they, through, whatever correct. it might be. Isn't so, that crazy, right? Yeah. Um, I mean... Okay, all right. Yeah, that's, so that, that's just, answer the question. <laughs> if we're just like a, like a bowl yeah. sitting there at the bottom well, of, that's the, I, that's kinda how I'm of the world, it too. and we have yeah. like kind of like the soup going on, right, with our like water, and we got some stuff around, and we got some continents floating in the middle, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, then what about other... What would a flat earther planets. say? Yeah. What about other planets? Are other planets in well, the yeah, same that's, thing? That's are they, super are they separate bulls themselves? What like, a dumb question. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so you gotta you gotta start looking. If you run a computer right now, Google uh, NASA picture of Pluto, and what you'll see is literally the bottom of a frying pan that has a desert in the shape of Pluto, the Disney dog's head on it. Right? They literally mock us. NASA admits they don't have any photos of Earth. The other photos of all the other planets are paintings. They're ridiculous. They're the dumbest thing ever. But our optics have outgrown their lies. You can buy a Nikon P900 super zoom camera for a couple hundred bucks and then zoom in on these things that they tell us are planets. They're pulsing orbs of energy close within the Earth system. Right now, we're, we're at the time of this recording. We have a, a, a waxing crescent moon, the the. The sun is the moon is right next to the sun, so it'd be very hard to see. But when uh, in a couple of weeks, when we have near a full moon, if you go out on a night where the moon's high in the sky and there's um, spotted, you know, cumulus clouds, if you, we have weather like that, mm-hmm. you'll notice that the moon only lights up the clouds that are right next to it, and not the ones that are farther away. If you can get away from any city lights, so you'll notice all of the other clouds are in the dark, but the moon only lights up the ones next to it. Well, think about that. If the moon is 238,000 miles away, it should light up all of the clouds when it's over your head. But it only lights up the ones that are right over your head, kind of like the moon is right next to the clouds. And again, 
well, I've been in an airplane higher than clouds and I never hit the moon. Well, as you move, the moon moves. Remember when you told your parents, hey, mom, the moon's following me in the car when you're yeah. driving down the road? Yeah. And she told you to shut up, that you're wrong? <laughs> well, your mom was wrong. It is following you. Wow. And that, that's because of this whole reflection thing that we're talking about. Mm. But the moon's light, the moon is its own light. It's not reflecting sunlight. The moon, you can read by the moon, uh, you know, in the middle of the woods on a full moon night. You can drive down the road with the lights off in the middle of nowhere if there's a full moon. And that's because it's sending its own light. And the cathode, the moon is the cathode of the battery, and it's sending a cold light. Did you know that it's colder in moonlight than it is in moonshade? No, I didn't know that. And that, I mean, it seems like moonlight would create more heat. If that's right, what, but yeah. it doesn't. It's testable. And if you focus the moonlight through a telescope into a, you know, backwards through a telescope, it gets massively colder. It's like refrigeration. It's insane. Like, but hmm. I, that, I couldn't wrap my head around it. But there's so many experiments showing this that you can, you know, in the sun, it's hot. In the shade, it's cold. But in the moonlight, it's cold. In the shade, it's warmer significantly. Mm. Amber? I. I wrote this down, and I've been dying to know this because I I am a Disney fanatic, <laughs> Disney yeah, Amber, park yeah, fanatic. Yeah, Amber, really I likes, Amber really likes Disney. I'm I like ruin your I world. like the parks, <laughs> not necessarily like every cartoon. So when I saw that you felt NASA and Disney were the same company, I was like, oh, I got to hear this. So I want I want an explanation. <laughs> well, NASA and Disney are here to program the minds of the masses. I mean. You can you can look into the, the, what Disney is the one of the most evil companies out there. Um, the, what they're doing to children. I mean, did, have you ever seen what they did in the mountain? Uh, what's the Lion movie? The Lion King. The Lion King. Yeah. Where the the naked woman is on Simba's face. No, what, I haven't heard this one. Just go look it up. <laughs> I gotta there's, look this one no up. No doubt. I mean, they're using subliminal <laughs> messaging. Just go put, look up a mountain. Um, Disney Lion King naked woman or whatever. On you know on his face, mm-hmm. and uh, once you see it, you'll be like, "How come I never saw that before?" There was, but, uh, it was. I had and to then go in back. In the sky, okay. they wrote they write sex in the sky, and then NASA does the same thing. They write the word <laughs> "sex" on the blue marble. Whoa! Picture. Holy crap! I'm looking at this picture right now. That is totally a naked woman. Oh, I, I'm trying to bring it up. I got to see it. I am yeah, looking at the cover of the Lion King right now. Uh, so there and was I'm tripping out. Back wow. back in VHS days, when I had all my Disney VHS tapes, I had the Little Mermaid. And yeah. I kept that forever. And then one day I saw something that said like they had to re- they had to change the cover because there was a phallic symbol in the castle. Yeah, that somebody there was a penis in there, and it finally got exposed, and, and it, people made up think about it. Yeah, but that's just the beginning of what they do. It, it's so much <laughs> far worse than that. Well, what, what is there? It's all about programming your mind uh, into into this world of slavery. We live we're we're slaves in this world. But here's the thing. You can't tie down the human mind because um, people – you can't put us in a prison because people will revolt. But what if you put them in a prison where they don't see the walls and that prison is the globe, right? If the if, – if, you know, if you had a mountain lion as a pet and you had him on a quarter acre with a fence, he's going to pace around. He's going to be pissed, mm-hmm, right? He's not mm-hmm. going to be happy. But if you put him in a safari park with a 500-mile-an-hour – a 500-mile circular fence – one day he's going to find that fence. He's going to go, huh, can't get by that. He's going to turn around. He's going to go back in. He's going to live his life. He's going to be fine. But yeah. you put a human in there, I don't care if it's 5,000-mile fence. Human's going to see that fence. What's he going to say? 
I got to go to the other side of that. So instead of just putting a fence around us, they put us on a ball. What if there's more land beyond Antarctica? Okay. What if beyond Antarctica in the outer space beyond Antarctica, there's extra terra territory? Yeah. Right. If there's people living on there and they come here, what would you call them? You would call them extra terrestrials. Oh, I was ready to say Outlander. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I don't know why it popped in my head. Extra Terra. Yeah. And no, where I, are they coming from? Yeah. They're coming from not outer space, the outer space. Well, yeah, yeah, the outer space of, of the disc we're on right now, uh, which makes the perfect sense. Uh, the, the flat plane we're on. We're not on a disc. Yeah, right? Uh, that, that's, okay. that's programming. You, you've said it three or four times. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. No, it's okay. Yeah, yeah, we're all, we're it's all natural. programmed into yeah. this. And, and because the. the People laugh at flat Earth because they what they think flat Earth is like. If you Google, you know, how does gravity work on flat Earth? You're gonna they're gonna say, well, flat Earthers believe that the Earth is rising at 9.8 meters per second, and that's causing an apparent gravity. No flat Earther believes that. Okay, that's mm-hmm. only people believe flat Earthers believe that. Then you're gonna get another article that says flat Earthers don't believe Australia exists. No, the mainstream media made up a fake story about that. Mm-hmm. Then you're gonna see a story about Mad Mike, the the guy tried to, you know, stuntman tried to prove the earth is flat by jumping high in a rocket. He jumped 1,800 feet. He was a stuntman. He was looking to raise money because he needed to buy new compressors for his steam engines. And a bunch of flat earthers funded him and said, hey, but we want to put a sticker on your rocket that says flat earth. That says research flat earth. Mm. And the media ran with it like he was trying to prove the earth was flat. The amount of propaganda that you get when you try to look at flat earth. That just um, you know the the hearings they had in Congress um, about uh, – social media and how they're going to stop fake news on social media. The one topic they talked about was flat earth YouTube. What are you going to do about these crazy conspiracy theories? And they use flat earth as an example. Okay. They're hiding this information. And that's got to know when they're hiding something, there's a reason for it. You're right. I, 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 I'm not, I'm not lessening the flat earth theory compared to others or anything, but I feel like if someone believes in flat earth, what is it hurting compared to maybe some other more dangerous conspiracy the Loch Ness Monster and Bigfoot and aliens allowed on YouTube if they're not allowing Flat Earth, right? Well, and, I, what, th- and they're saying that because, you know, Neil deGrasse Tyson says, you know, we're ruining the minds of children. We need them to be based in reality because, you know, we need to get off this planet. Think about this. They're, they're, they're trying to colonize Mars, right? They have to terraform this place that has no water. It's distant from the sun. It's cold. There's, there's, there's nothing there. And it costs billions of dollars of per pound to get there or whatever, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. It's not cheap. Right? And then that. they have to build a dome world there. They have to figure out how to fill it up with air. They have to figure out how to grow food. Why don't they just go to Ethiopia and build a dome there and make their own world? You already have the air. You probably have some supply routes to get stuff there. It, it, it's the dumbest thing ever. It's the dumbest thing ever. I got to tell you one more thing before we run out of time. No, yeah, it's no problem. Um, so our NASA is run by a guy named Werner von Braun. Have you heard his name? Yes. Mm-hmm. So he's a German scientist, Nazi mm-hmm. scientist that was brought over here to run NASA. That's interesting, right? I don't believe that story, by the way. I think it's all nonsense because there was no space race. But that's the story that we're told. Mm-hmm. And on his gravestone... It says Psalms 19.1. That's all it says. Psalms 19.1. What does Psalms 19.1 say? It says, 
uh, and God separated the waters from the waters with the firmament, basically. He's talking about um, the dome over our head. Why would the, why would the head of NASA have that on his gravestone? Um, that's not the purpose of the story. Mm-hmm. But Werner von Braun wrote a book in the 1950s about, uh, it's called uh, Project Mars. And matter of fact, it's still available on Amazon, but they just changed the cover probably because I've been talking about it. But um, it's called Project Mars, and it's a story about a group of people that went to Mars um, to start a new civilization. And the leader of that group, do you want to guess what his name was? The leader of the people on Mars, guess what his name was? I have no idea. Elon. Oh, really? Yeah. Hmm. Coincidence? I mean, how I don't live in a world no, where Elon's not a very common. Yeah, it's not a very. I don't know. Yeah, and, I don't know if it's a common. And, South and on the rocket, the, the on the cover, it shows this, you know, this futuristic rocket. This was in the 1950s. Elon Musk's rocket that he's planning on taking people to Mars in looks just like that picture. Okay. Yeah. This is called predictive programming. Arthur C. Clarke wrote about, um about satellites he made up satellites and then a few years later we had satellites doing the same thing they they literally tell us what they're doing the guy that a royal guy in the 1800s who came up with the idea of dinosaurs wrote a paper on it published a paper on it no one had ever mentioned finding a dinosaur ever even you know going back to the egyptians and the pyramids with all the construction that's done no one ever found a dinosaur bone this guy writes a paper on it and then a year later to the day he discovers the first dinosaur. You know, this is very interesting what you're saying because, you know, obviously the show that we do, we do talk about a lot about ghosts and stuff like that and spirits and energies and whatnot. And we have talked about this idea where, and I've we've done experiments like this in the past with people. Uh, sometimes they knew it, sometimes they didn't know it. <laughs> Mostly they didn't know it, unfortunately. But um, we, we called it planting a seed. I call it front-loading someone, right? uh, We would, for example, uh, in a situation, we would take some people to a place that was reportedly haunted, right? There was was a ghost there. And then we, on the way there, we would would tell them like, well, yes, so what happened in this place is there was a double murder suicide. The the guy went nuts and killed his family and then he killed himself. And, you know, that was was like 100 years ago. And now supposedly this house is haunted by this guy still looking for his family in the house. So you spin up a story, right? And I'm not... I'm not making light of this because this is serious, right? But when you front load information like that into a person's mind and then you put them in that situation, we found, and this has been done on grander scales than when we've done it, we found that people started seeing things. They started experiencing things, right? Um, and it, to me, it's the same line kind of being drawn. If this idea is out there that, you know, dinosaurs never let's just assume for a second dinosaurs never existed it's no need to be- assume they didn't <laughs> okay and like but then yeah like you said somebody says well here's a story like dinosaurs existed six million billion years ago and and here's great story the, the reason for this and people latch on to that story i mean do you see the line i'm drawing here with that yep. as far it's 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 called front loading or what you yeah, said front loading predictive programming predictive they programming. do it with yeah. everything everything that big in our world happens you know the big event in new york do you know that there was there's so much predictive programming into that look into the back to the future movie it's all about 9-11 well i mean and everything we you know 
you're talking about here, I mean, we are being programmed. I do believe that. I mean, look around right now, especially with how our media, how we digest media, how we digest information. We know the speed that it comes at us now. It's it's ridiculous as far as speed's concerned. Um, and it seems like no one really does any digging anymore. It's it. No one wants to go do any reading. It seems like it just seems like people will take for face value that that clickbait article that they had that they looked at from their Facebook on their phone, and that's that's yeah. their idea of what of what research right. may be. And people want to just believe. I often tell people, I don't know if I told you where. Do you know where I live? Uh, Connecticut, right? Yeah. Do yeah. I live in Connecticut? Can you? Did you verify that? No, I can't verify it? that at all. <laughs> you, so you don't know that I live in Connecticut. You believe it because I'm a trust. You sound. I sound like a trustworthy guy. Well, we live. I live in a world where I trust people. I really do. Well, no. The only, honestly, I can tell you, Dave. The only reason I know that is because I, I when I we called you on Skype. And your Skype profile says where you're from. Like, you know, the, oh. the, the well, state. Well, I, I, so NASA says they went to Mars on their Skype profile. Oh, yeah. And I'm, I'm, I'm saying the same thing to you about that. Well, just because yeah. Skype tells me that doesn't mean it's true. Right. <laughs> yeah, know? yeah. So so what I'm saying is yeah. belief is easy. You know, you can believe anything you want. I often do interviews where they ask me about myself. I say that I went to medical school for three and a half years. And then I realized that allopathic medicine was nonsense. And I took a more homeopathic route and, you know, and then five minutes later in the interview, I talk about belief being the enemy of knowing. I said, for example, you guys believe I went to medical school and I didn't. Right. Mm -hmm. It's just because I'm telling a story and that's what we are. We believe these stories and, yeah. and there's zero proof. I used to I'd like flat earth, dumbest thing ever. There's a million proofs that we live on a globe and there's zero proofs that we live on a on a, on a flat earth. Mm -hmm. Well, guess what? The opposite is true. Nothing proves we live on a globe. There's things that work on a globe, but they also work on flat earth. There's things that work on flat earth that only work on flat earth. There's nothing that works on a globe and doesn't work on flat earth also. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Let's talk about yeah. the, the International Space Station for a second here. Um, the, I call I, it the International I, Fake Station. <laughs> <laughs> well, what about it? Because we see, we see all you these... You see a light in the sky. Cool yeah. story, bro. So... <laughs> <laughs> let's let's so, so the, here we go we're going to talk about size yeah so you ever walk underneath the 747 probably not but they're pretty big right yeah. 747 is almost the size of a football field it's yeah. a gigantic aircraft massive, right massive aircraft the yeah. international space station is close to the same size tiny bit bigger yeah so you move a uh a 747 up to cruising altitude about five miles high and um and it turns into the size of a pencil eraser held at arm's length and you could barely see it, right? Correct. It's a tiny dot in the sky. If it wasn't laying a contrail or a chemtrail, you probably wouldn't even have noticed it was in the sky, right? Correct. If you doubled that height, could you see it? Oh, I don't think you could see it at all. If you, you double the height of the stage, this space station uh, itself? No, no, not the space station. The, the 747 flying at cruising altitude. Remember, it's a tiny little dot in the sky. Yeah. And it went from you know a football field to a tiny dot in the sky. If you doubled the height, scientifically, we can prove that its angular size is too small for you to see. Correct. Right? Yeah, you're not going to see the it. The space station is 50 times higher than that. 50. Well, what, Five zero. And yeah, what makes that so bright in the sky where we well, can actually visibly you could, you could see it? You argue that it's higher up in the sky and it's reflecting the sun. But if it's reflecting the sun, how can I see it 
and then you see it if you're even a mile or 10 or 50 miles away from me. How can you see it at the same time? Because it can only reflect, reflect the sunlight in one direction, unless it's a disco ball, which it's not. No, it's not a disco ball. <laughs> and if you, look at, if you look at all the stupid spacewalks they do, it's not that bright out there. It's never that bright. And how does that light get to us and be brighter than any star in the sky? I've tracked the space station. I've seen it come from horizon to horizon. The speeds that it moves, the brightness that it is, are, and the size are all impossible when you, when you really start looking at it. That's an interesting idea because there is no light out. I mean, we obviously have light from the sun, but that's not always going to be on you at all times. Yeah, but they say it's and 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 we when we see it, it, it's ridiculous. But it can't reflect light like that. It would it would sparkle and it wouldn't be that bright. I mean, it's not a mirror. If it was a mirror and it could, you know, make, keep that angle on you, mm-hmm. the, th- that would make more sense. But it doesn't. It's too small, too far. Makes no sense. There's, it's the most incredible engineering um, feat in history. There's zero video of it being built. Zero. There's no video of it being built. There's an animation of it being built. They never built it on Earth to see if it worked and fit together. They just sent it up into space and it showed up one day. What is it? I think it's a luminary, a mm-hmm. uh, returning luminary that they knew was coming back to our system. They talk about the return of the luminaries. Um, I, you know, I think it's something that they knew were coming and, th- and they made a cover for it. The other thing is, if you watch my interviews, if you go into the Flat Earth, Sun, Moon, and Zodiac Clock app and you go to the web page and click interviews, I in many of them, I completely show you a hundred times how they're faking stuff on the space station. They're, they're When they're faking gravity, sometimes they're doing their flips and they get tangled in their wires. I can prove to you they're hanging from wires. I can prove to you that they're using green screens. I can prove to you that they're using augmented reality when they're flipping their little things around in front of them, defying gravity. If I prove it to you once, you can unwind that all the way to we never went to the moon. No man has ever been on a rocket. And that's the end of the story. But I can show it to you a thousand times. And in the app, the Flat Earth, Sun, Moon, and Zodiac Clock app, mm-hmm. um, there's what about NASA? Click that button, bring food and water. Your mind is going to be blown. I, I got to go back just a second there. What what did you mean by the return of the luminary? What is, what is yeah, that? Yeah, let's talk about that. We both looked at yeah, each other when so you said like, that. So what, what, are, what are stars? What are planets? You know, one, which were wandering stars? Um, I think that they're energetic and you know um sentient in nature how how how's that so dave you know (laughs) astrology i used to laugh at astrology is the real science astronomy is pseudoscience so here's my view on the world and again this is above our heads this is dave weiss talking i'm not speaking for everybody else but Mm -hmm. a lot of people agree with me i think that the currency of our world are souls and our souls come from the heavens above maybe stars are souls and we have a soul in our body uh, a main soul and we probably have many other souls but um we that soul is a piece of god and we're here on earth experiencing uh the world uh expanding the mind of god and what are the wandering stars well the wandering stars also known as planets are all named after you know uh gods demigods Okay, so what are they? How can the retro motion of Mars affect me when it's 25 million miles away and it doesn't even affect the tides? Okay, well, that's because it's not a rock 25 million miles away. It's an energetic source right here within the Earth electrical system, and it is directly connected to all of us. So the position of all of these luminaries 
are affect our lives. They're they're literally the controllers of our life. Not controllers. They're they're part of who we are. Again, I don't have the words to describe it. I got, I'm not saying I understand it, but it makes a ton of sense. And then there's there's biblical um, verses. If I had my co-host here, he knows it all. Yeah. Um, talking about the returning of the gods um, yeah. before you know the before the ends of certain cycles that we're in. And you know, if you ask me with what's going on in the world, I say we're at the very very end of a cycle right now. Feels like it. <laughs> yeah, I'll say that. I've, I've said that with, without even having this conversation with you. I've said that I do feel that there's something. I mean, and it's easy to say that about COVID and the Rona and stuff like that. Um, but there is just a different feeling in the air, in my bones. I feel something. Like, yeah, for sure. I and, mean, they're, they're you know, if you look, they they repeat the the history repeats itself, uh, and it looks like we're on a hundred year cycle. Twenty twenty, you know, we got uh, everyone's wearing masks, everyone's getting vaccinated. Well, nineteen twenty, we had the Spanish flu. Uh, everybody was wearing masks, everybody was getting vaccinated, and yeah. there was a massive die off. Eighteen twenty, there was cholera. Seventeen twenty, there was the plague. Okay, yeah. it's the same thing again and again and again. It's a cycle. It sounds like yeah. Amber. No, I was curious what your thoughts are um, on other life forms out there. Well, you you mentioned extraterrestrials. extraterrestrials. They come from the lands beyond Antarctica. They Mm -hmm. probably speak English. Okay. Okay. There's there's a book uh, that you can get or on on uh, YouTube you can look up. It's called The Iron Republic. It's also in the What About Antarctica uh, tab on the app. and it's a reading of the the book called The Iron Republic, where it's basically a story of um, some explorers that were before the treaty uh, went to Antarctica and found an opening and then popped out the backside of Antarctica. They had no idea where they were. They were lost at sea for a month. Oh. And then they found land and a boat came out and met them. And they and the guy spoke English and he said, hey, we're from uh, from the Iron Republic, and he goes, "Well, we're from America. Where, where's the Iron Republic?" And he goes, "Well, it's on the other side of Antarctica, about equal the distance that America is from Antarctica." And they, the guy, the story is, he goes to the land. This is in the 1940s. Yeah, 1940s was this? 19, wait, hold on. Yeah, I think it was 1940s mm-hmm. and uh, 1940s, 1950s, and it talks about the technology that they had there: flat screens, electric cars. Uh, all sorts of advanced technologies, computers, um, beyond what we have today. And basically, the story is that these people in the 1600s didn't like the tyranny that was going on, and they picked up and left and went to the Iron Republic and started a civilization there, an advanced civilization. Cool stuff. Cool stuff. But again, do we have proof of it? No. Nope. Nope, nope. David? I want to thank you so much for taking the time to speak to us again. It was a real pleasure and, and very thought provoking. And, you know, what I think is, you know, even with differences of opinions and stuff like that, there's a lot that, I mean, that you we discussed tonight that I frankly identify with, with you. I, I really do. Yeah. And I, and I really, I'm glad we got to speak like this because I, I, I'm, I'm not only interested. I mean, I think there's some very compelling ideas with this, right? Well, and, and by the way, you know, the stuff that you guys talk about a lot, makes more sense on a flat earth extraterrestrials coming from a couple thousand miles away yeah. and then crashing in roswell make more sense than traveling 25 trillion miles if they're near the nearest star and then coming here and crashing you're correct that, that makes no sense if, if you want to believe that story yeah. extraterrestrials they're humanoid 
Uh, maybe that's where the real controllers of this world live in the outer space beyond Antarctica. Maybe that's why John Kerry, uh, after the previous election, went there on election day. He went to Antarctica on election day. Okay. Wow. Maybe he's getting his marching orders. You know, maybe, maybe, maybe the the elite, the people that we call the elite, they're the puppets of the real elite, which live in the outer space. Yeah. David, thank you again. I really appreciate it. We we I'd love to talk to you again sometime down the road. Um, because I think yeah, yeah. We, we could, there's a lot we could talk about, <laughs> even more uh, so. Uh, yeah. but hey, thank you so much. I really mean that. So, this has been fantastic. Go ahead. So let me uh let me just just check out the Flat Earth, yeah. Sun, Moon, and Zodiac Clock app by Blue Water Bay. It's two dollars and ninety nine cents. Read the reviews if you're worried about the three bucks. <laughs> and the next time you're drinking a Snapple or, or uh, some other poisonous energy drink, uh, realize that was four dollars, <laughs> and uh, it'll be fun in minutes, and you'll have the app for the rest of your life. Um, yes. My YouTube channel, D-I-T-R-H, nice short videos. Uh, they'll take you right in. Uh, D-I-T-R-H, the initials for Deep Inside the Rabbit Hole, and my podcast, Instagram. And website is the Flat Earth Podcast. Ghostly talk.